0: green future growers welcome to season three I'm your host Jackie Marie Byer if you're new to the show I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes for free or follow on your favorite podcast app and let's get growing hey everyone make sure you join us for the homestead open house virtual summit it's only nine dollars homesteading simplified March 14th to the 16th with a live question and answer on the 17th 20 plus experts to help you find the confidence you need to make homesteading work maybe you've had some land you just got your first property you go outside and you it seems like there's so many things to do where do you start do you plant seeds compost pile get your chickens pull your weeds plant fruit trees build a barn sheeps cows the list goes on how do you make a decision How about making a list to do, when to do it, and how to do it? They have gathered experts in the world of homesteading together from all over the world to give you the best tips. Take a tour of homesteads. Learn from them. Take confidence in your own abundant homestead. Super easy to get in. Access for only $9. Make sure you click on my affiliate link so I get a little tiny chunk of that. Um, And join us March... 14th through 16th hope to see you there hey, listeners so I don't know what just happened but I edited all of part one I saw here and listened to it I made all these cuts because for some reason my tracks haven't been lining up since I don't even know when like I've had to do a lot of editing in season three so hopefully <laughs> you haven't noticed But, that being said, I had to go back. So, part one of this interview is not really edited. And if we're overlapping and it sounds like I'm interrupting them, it's actually more because Zoom split the tracks. Weird. Like, I I can't explain it, but just trust me, (laughs) it's, like, so weird, it's, like, it starts out okay, and then all of a sudden, I'm talking, and really, it should be, like, I shouldn't be talking till, like, minute six, and I'm talking at minute four, and I went through and cut them all, and then it went back to, I, I, it, like, erased all the edits, so I went through, kind of, and tried to, like, quickly do it just visually without actually listening to part one again, so it's kind of raw, kind of edited, hopefully it sounds good, and then I'm putting part two on a whole separate, um, audio, so that's why there's part one and part two. I also wanted to mention, I heard on the news, today is Johnny Appleseed Day, so it's Thursday, March 11th, so I kind of wanted to post this anyway, because I thought these guys were just so cool, I loved what they said. I want you to have the opportunity to order trees from them and get them in time to be able to plant them on Earth Day. Patty and I have been talking about time to get trees. Um, I I both got our fruit berries, our blueberry bushes, and our raspberry bushes. You know, ordering stuff right now is, you know, if you're going to order stuff and you've got the cash, get it ordered because seeds are selling out. Berries are selling out. Mike's like, why did you get your blueberries and raspberries in March and they're going to sit in a box? I'm like, because in the time I waited just to say, hey, can you ship these in, you know, whenever April, when we can plant them, they were like gone. The raspberry, will like, I didn't get the raspberry bushes I wanted. I just got what they had left. So things are selling out. Um, but anyway, happy Johnny Appleseed Day. And um, I hope you're enjoying this. I thought these guys were great. I love to hear what they were doing. I also saw on Drew Barrymore yesterday or sometime. I don't know, because I watched the recordings and I don't know when they're from. Um, she was talking about the biggest food forest down in Atlanta, Georgia. Look looked really cool and reminded me. So, I'm trying to get this out, but if it sounds weird, if things don't line up, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I just did all the editing, and then when I went to... um, Because we did have a problem where, like, Zoom cut us off. Uh, sometimes Zoom cuts me off after 40 minutes, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know why. I think because I'm just... there's no video. But anyway, for some reason, when I went back... I don't know what happened. Who knows? Band, Zoom, it's all weird. So, uh, here's part two. (laughs) The second part. (laughs) I just released one yesterday. I was just editing one yesterday. And I was like, where's the end? And I was like... Oh, Oh, no. That sounds like a nightmare. Well, usually Zoom does not cut me off. I think because I usually don't record the audio... So uh, they usually don't cut me off at 40 minutes. I mean, I did a two-hour interview on Friday that we just went straight through. This woman just didn't stop talking. finally, I was like, well, this next interview, the person's on the line. I got to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I missed uh, – anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I'm trying to get back to Skype, but then Calendly already makes – automatically makes the Zoom link. And so it's just there, mm-hmm. so – Anyway, off topic, we're recording back to the awesome gold, I call them golden seeds when my listeners are sharing value. So back to your golden seeds. Cause this is what my listeners love to hear about and how they can help. Like I'm the we switched to the green organic podcast instead of just the organic gardener last year, because we are dedicated to green new jobs and the green new deal and a, and a, and a bigger Better combating climate change, and it's not just about growing a healthy vegetable, it's about changing our planet for the better and growing an earth. And- and-
1: yeah no it absolutely is you know and i think a lot of people it's sad to say but you know as a result of the pandemic a lot of people came to realize just how fragile um and in a lot of ways you know how inefficient our food system really is you know conventionally not just in this country but worldwide um and i think more people than ever are not only interested in growing their own food but
0: well i'm seeing little things pop up like on community facebook pages and stuff like people are having conversations locally about sustainable agriculture and sustainable food, like I've been seeing in our community bulletin board and in local Facebook groups, people are having more conversations about things like that, besides the just the boom and growing and like I don't know my podcast is just I don't know what happened on november 29th but welcome new listeners, <laughs> holy cow and January was insane after this is my sixth year how my numbers are growing even bigger (laughs) i got on and looked at my stats the other day and was like oh my gosh (laughs) anyway um just go back to
1: talking. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, worldwide. I just feel like, um, so cool. you know, certainly COVID-19, um, but even things that occurred before that really, you know, kind of threw the the door open to exposing just how vulnerable and fragile the food system really is, you know, not just in this country, but worldwide. I think the result of that's been more people are interested in growing, but they're also more concerned well, about, Texas, you know, the, the quality of the food that's being grown. Um, and I think just more, you know, th- th- really everything that's happened, right? the pandemic, all of it fundamentally comes down to, you know, how much do you care about other people? You know, are you, are you here just to serve your own needs or are you here, you know, to serve, I hate to say a greater good. And it's a little bit of a cliche, but sometimes cliches are cliches right. for a reason. Right. Um, because there's truth to them. And so, you know, if you are someone who's concerned well, about
0: the kids on the news growing
1: something that's good, in a way that doesn't harm the people around you, you know, that's, that's what we're here to do, um, is really tell you how to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I was just sorry, like the kids right on the news this morning, I didn't get to go on my spring break last year. So all I care about is going on my spring break this year. I'm like, could there be anything more selfish than saying that on the news this morning? Like, that's all you think about was your vacation was canceled last year, so you're going on vacation this spring. Like, yeah, I think your attitude is so awesome. Like, caring about... I feel like my husband and I used to see so much more news about what's going on in other countries, how Americans affect other countries and what life is like in other countries so much. Your power to vote. And, And your power to vote does come down, starting in your community and starting locally, but has such... Big effects um, globally. So I love how you are working. You traveled around. You went to these different countries. You and now you're you're studying how we can help nature. And just back to the whole California piece. Like if we could do something to to help them stop their rainwater. Like I'm just so frustrated with Bill Maher when he complains about lawns and shutting the water off. Well, maybe he needs some contour water like i want to kind of hear about that but sorry to interrupt i i just love your guys's passion for educating
1: sure yeah no absolutely and you know if uh if, if you have bill Maurer's number maybe you can send him our way we'll teach him how to dig a swale um but
0: <laughs> oh i wish i could connect with him but uh The other thing I was going to say, what was it really quick about the quality of food? Like in the last two years, especially how much of our food are we importing that's picked way before it's ripe? Whereas you guys are providing a solution where kids can go pick their own food from a local food forest like how precious is that? Like if the kids in California could have in LA and the, cause that's one of the things Like, I did a lot of studying on black lives matter. And one of the things is the lack of, of, of green places, like kids getting in trouble because they're hanging out in alleys because they don't have parks. And like, if they could go to a food park, like I said, every kid, like almost every kid I've taught has come to me at some point or another and said, here, I saved these apple seeds. Can I plant this? you know they don't care if there's winter snow outside or anything like they love that and like they would love to be able to go pick food and you talked about how when you were a kid with your grandma and taking care of the apple tree and fostering that love of science and and love of of growing things and just um I just think it's so, like, it all kind of ties together. And then what you said about there is so much more that unites us. Like, part of me keeps hearing Donald Trump saying, it's management causing these fires in California. And here you guys are talking about, yeah, it is management that maybe is causing these wildfires, destroying these towns, because we're not taking care, and, and you have solutions. That's the other thing I love. Like, I just finished... Kamala Harris's autobiography, and, she, and she's so solution-oriented, you know. She grew up right in Oakland, and and you have solutions. Like, you know, Kamala, I'll bet, would listen to you guys.
2: Well, it's really exciting. Because
0: she's looking for solutions. Excuse me, I'm But I think we can unite the parties around something like this.
2: So it's really exciting is a couple of things that you ta- talked about is not just at the farm do we have the food forest, but we also have solutions for urban areas where we show people how they can go to a parking lot and erect their own garden, you know, on top of asphalt. And again, I think there's a lot of ways with the internet that we can share, you know, cutting edge ideas, agriculture, just like anything else, a lot of people don't really want to change. So sometimes you just have to have a leader, to show them how to change. And it's, it's a lot more with, well, how do I do it as opposed to I want to do it? I mean, people want to do it, but they don't really understand how to do it. And, you know, we've even taken that approach. We, we are producing because long-term uh, we have to uh, stay in business just like anybody else and be able to fund our climate farming and all these different things. So we've actually uh, collaborated with one of the top Uh, biotech labs and fertilizer companies in the country to produce something called Johnny Appleseed Organic Climate Guard, like guard for gardener. And with that, people can get some of the most effective fertilizer for their garden that they'll ever get. You know, most consumer fertilizers, when I say most, I'm going to say over 90% are made with animal parts is like one of their primary ingredients. And I'm talking almost all uh, fertilizers or netted fish, which is a whole nother story about the fish food chain and why you shouldn't catch all the small fish just to make fertilizer. And what we've been able to do, and again, working with technology as opposed against technology is figure out ways how we can get the right levels and the, and, and the best levels of nitrogen and, potassium and phosphorus and magnesium and silica as well as beneficial microorganisms to your plants without your plants having to necessarily kill animals, excuse me, without your fertilizer having to kill animals just to produce it. And, and it's called Johnny Appleseed Organic Climate Guard. Uh, and by the time you run this show, people will be able to go to the website to find actually how they can try it for themselves. It's not available today, but again, I think it will be available starting March the 15th. So anytime after March the 15th, that'll work out for your listeners. I think it's really important. Uh, Fertilizer is the primary pollutant if you think about it, but it's also the primary way that your vegetables get their um, food that they need to grow in a healthy way. And we show people how to do many, many things that will really make your crop taste better and make it no more nutritious, but most maybe most importantly, how to have a much lighter impact uh on the environment and be beneficial for climate.
0: The other thing I saw on a Facebook group the other yesterday was uh people talking about peat and having to add peat. And my husband and I were just talking he was saying he wants to take our I don't know, is it a one ton down and get um, cow manure from like, he wants to try to get six loads of cow manure because yeah, you do have to. And then also like I bought, we've been like trying to figure out how to like, I bought lentils and farro for cover crops. And like, he keeps asking me all these questions. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, I bought this inoculant that adds like the nitrogen to the, the, the roots and and he's like but it sounds like lentils take a lot of nitrogen out I'm like you're so right there's so many questions I feel like the more I know the more I'm like but how does this work <laughs> so how does it work on the forest that the fruit for and like we're totally into this like we have 13 apple trees and two plum trees and we got two flowering trees last year and or two flowering apples and two cherries like he loves to grow food and what once nut trees really bad and like i i'm just curious about all this stuff like what can we do to make our orchard healthier
1: sure one thing that's like really really critical to our method um is you know the judicious use of cover crops which you mentioned we're quite fond of nitrogen fixing legumes um which really anything in the legume family, but specifically like cow pea, pigeon pea, things of that nature, um, which are known, you know, to help sequester nitrogen and fix nitrogen in soil. Um, so that's co-planted alongside, you know, virtually every row um, at our farm, and that's you know one way um, to kind of provide those nutrients, um, you know, in a in a in a minimally impactful way, right? Um, The other side of this coin and something that doesn't get talked about very often um, is, you know, the presence and importance of beneficial fungi, um, which often is taking place, you know, below the soil. So you don't see it. Uh, You know, when most people think of fungi, they think of mushrooms. But that's really only part of the story. Um, You know, in a healthy forest, there are mycelial networks that are sometimes miles long. Um, And, you know, there's pretty recent research. That kind of demonstrates um, these these fungal networks do more than just like, you know, exist. Right. Um, they actually have, you know, symbiotic relationships with plant roots. Um, there's evidence that plants actually signal to them what nutrients they need. And in exchange for root exudates like sugar or simple amino acids, the fungi will actually improve the solubility of things like nitrogen um, for our plants. Um, so it's 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 important to foster that, too. And that's another thing, you know, that conventional agriculture in particular and even some organic farms um, where tilling is still, you know, taking place on a large scale. Um, is quite invasive, um, disrupts those mycelial networks. And, you know, you're really um, just stripping away and sort of extracting from the soil rather than adding to it.
0: I wanted to ask about what did you just say that that you have a row of cover crop in between every row of is that like a cover crop you walk on or just cover crop like you plant like a row of beets and then a row of peas like legume and a row of because that's what I maybe that's what my husband could do like a row of beets a row of lentils a row of peas a row of lentils a row of
1: in our, in our case in our case those things are actually interplanted in the same row so as you walk down a row you might have a mayhaw tree a pigeon pea a blackberry and these things could be you know in succession as you walk down the row um so you know, we 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 kind of differentiate them by calling some production species and calling others support species. You know, a lot of what's grown on our farm is there specifically just to be you know terminated um, to produce you know green material for whether composting or um, you know green mulching, um, but also you know like I said to you know fix and release that nitrogen in the soil.
0: Yeah, that's what I keep saying. Like I I keep going back and forth. I'm like, did I buy the lentils just because I want the green leaves for the ground? Did I buy the lentils because I actually want to harvest the lentils? Like, why did I but like what is and is it like that ground is not gonna be producing a food? Did I like I buy the lentils? What was I thinking like we could we have some carrots that that are still sitting in the ground from last year. And My husband's like, no, those are going to go to seed this year. And I was like, well, then should I put the lentils right next to those carrots that are still in the ground that we're hoping are going to go to seed this year and are going to become the carrots for next year? Like they're going to be carrots we're going to harvest in 2022. So why not have the lentils grow next to those carrots? This it seems like the perfect place to put the lentils. I know it's not I know it's not a thing. Sure, probably, yeah.
1: No, and another like, thing, you know, like lentils, on the topic of root. But
0: they're a legume, they're just a bean.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. But on the on the topic of, you know, using root crops, you know, in creative ways, you know, something that we grow a ton of, right, is daikon radish, um, which in addition to providing, you know, food for our free range chickens and pigs um, to forage, it also is a way of plowing without plowing in a sense, you know what I mean, those those giant root vegetables, you know, loosen up and aerate the soil um, without disturbing those mycelial networks that I was mentioning previously, you know, so that's one, one way that we can kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say completely eliminate. Certainly at some point you have to disturb the soil in some way, but um, we definitely, you know, reduce that to the lowest extent possible.
0: I keep telling my husband, like the biggest problem I have is I walk around the garden and I can't visualize what it's supposed to look like like when i'm painting a painting i can visualize the next steps like i stare at it for hours and i'm like oh it needs more dark blue here and it needs yellow here and this needs change but when i go down the garden but you are making it so i can visualize what does need to happen this is awesome keep going <laughs> sorry
2: the one thing that i think your listeners would find in interesting as we talk about rows well at our farm there really aren't rows um we try to grow on contour lines which are elevated contour lines where if you imagine those lines being where the soil is kind of heaped up maybe a couple feet high and it's done along the level plane of your ground so if you're if whatever way it slopes your water is all caught by those contour lines, which then it soaks in, saturates the ground. It makes sure the nutrients stay on site and don't run off site. And between the rows, I describe it almost as a food jungle where there's, we may plant five or six or seven different varieties. Nothing will be in a row. It will be either broadcast, uh, planted, uh, but it's not done in a row. And then, and we only then harvest probably 30 to 40% of what we plant and we leave the balance in the ground for nitrogen. uh, We've started with some of the poorest soils uh, in the country at our farm, and we did that for a reason. We want to show people how you can take very, very poor kind of exhausted um, soils and in a matter, we believe, of three to five years. Well, we have already can tell you in three years that they're phenomenal soils, but in about five years, turn those tired soils into some of the best soils that you possibly can have. So, because there's a lot of people that says, well, we can't do that in our soil. It's, it's horrible. It's worn out. It doesn't have any nutrients in it. And we basically started with the same thing because once you uh, take a piece of forest land, if you think about it, the trees are very extractive, right? Especially when you cut them and then replant, they keep extracting, extracting, extracting. And what we're do doing is we're building up, building up, building up. So we have an operation that is not only where we rely heavily on the compost we make on site, but we rely on our cover crops and we rely very heavily on our animal partners, which are chickens and our pigs that then come behind and actually turn up uh, some of the soil, leave their deposits there and help us actually make the soil more, fertile and and have it really become alive and the best example that I think people can visualize is when I was growing up in the farm in Iowa when my I love to fish and 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 whenever my neighbor was turning up his garden I would go over there and I'd collect the worms uh, behind him and so I could take them and go down to the local stream and and go fishing well, I would just bet anybody that they can't go out into a piece of farmland almost anywhere in the United States uh, and dig up and find a lot of worms. They just aren't there. So our entire uh, thesis is about returning the soil to the way it probably was about two to 300 years ago, which was a very, very uh, nitrogen-rich soil, uh, tremendous amounts of animal life, Mycelial life, which is funguses, you know, as well as plant life, and that soil would support and can support uh, humans uh, just as well as more conventional agriculture. And if you look at all the uh, brown fields there are in the country, which are fields, you know, which I think you know what that is. So in the inner cities, there's tremendous, tremendous amounts of land. That can be very, very easily uh, converted into gardens because if you think about it, bl- growing on blacktop, there's actually a lot of advantages to it. And one of the big advantages is you usually don't have the pest problems that you'll have in a bigger, more open farm because you're not going to have a lot of grasshoppers and everything kind of going across concrete to get to your uh, to get to your vegetable garden. And we try to really show people that you can actually garden everywhere. You can garden under my mom and my dad who were, you know, 87 and 90, they have a little garden on the balcony of their apartment, which is 12 stories up. And, and my mom, uh, and we still produce a, a tremendous amount of food just in those few square feet, but we do it by using the right nutrition, the right soils. And, that's our whole goal, right? Is we show people how to do this on their own. I mean, life is not a re- you know, about, life is really about helping other people achieve common goals. And that goal can be, again, climate. It could be the fact they want to grow their own vegetables. They want to grow flowers. They want beauty, whatever it may be. Our goal at Johnny Appleseed Organic is to try to empower people through the use of the internet, uh, johnnyappleseed.com to be able to do those things and achieve those things, no matter where they are in the country or in the world.
0: Well, that is awesome. I mean, we could almost end it there. We didn't go through any of my questions, but uh, my last question that like answers my last question. And I feel like you guys have just dropped tons of golden seeds. You're probably busy. We've been on the phone for an hour. Like, are there any things you feel like you've missed that you do want to, I feel like you guys have shared so much. People's heads are probably spinning as much as mine with solutions. And like, one of the things, like, I just feel like the whole reason I bought the lentils is so we don't have to go get that cow manure. Like, like you're saying like 30 to 40% of what you plant is what you're going to eat. Like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm spinning in circles, but did you have anything else? Or are we good? Is there anything you've missed? Is there anything really important you wanted to say?
2: Well, our goal, I really think if people could, again, just it's all about communication and sharing and finding people that have similar values and really even explain to people that may not have similar values, keep the door open and invite them in. And we, we, have some of not only the top gardeners and farmers from around the world helping us, you know, people that I've really met over the last 55 years. We literally have people all across the globe that give us ideas and why don't you try this and what about this and what do you think about this is that we have a very kind of open source, uh, communications network. And so if you've got a better way to do it, let us hear about it. Um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about our animal friends and the bees and the, and the birds and everything that helps us on the farm, but maybe that's just something uh, for the future. And, and and just, Jack, thank you very, very much for the time uh, that you spent with us. And I certainly wish you the best of luck. I lived in Wyoming and I actually worked on a ranch, which is a whole nother story. I ran a large ranching operation for Climate, believe it or not, 627,000 acres um, for about 10 years, which, Someday I'd love to come back and and talk to you about.
0: I mean, we can keep going if you want to talk about flowers and bees and the ranch. (laughs) But if you're dumb, we're done. Okay.
2: Well, I can give you like a really kind of quick overview of a project that we've actually, or I've actually, I guess, completed is, you know, right after the financial crisis, um, I moved out uh, to Wyoming And was able to assemble, uh, with myself being the guy that did the work, and people I was able to get interested in, we were able to assemble 627,000 contiguous acres of environmentally sensitive habitat in the Platte River Range. That farm, in you know, had been ranched, uh, cattle ranched for years and years and years. And what we did with it is working with. Sally Jewell, who at that time was the Secretary of Interior, we turned it into the first wildlife habitat bank in the country. So that 627,000 acres is now being managed for wildlife. Um, and it's the largest private um, project of its kind in the world. Uh, there's no government money involved. Um People can go to, I think it's Pathfinder Ranches and Google if they want to learn more about it. I no longer uh, work there, but that was a project that I kind of took from a vision to final project. If you'd like me to talk about bees, which I'm very excited about bees. Bees are very important. (laughs) You know, without bees, we'd all probably not be here talking uh, to each other uh, on a Zoom call today. Yeah. But... You know, we're learning how bees are more important and more important and more important, but the bees themselves have tremendous problems. And we're doing a lot of studying on the farm about bee problems because what bees do, if you think about it, if you're a bee and you're a, wor- you're a working bee, meaning you're working for farmers, you are traveling to four to six different locations every year. And what the issue is for the bee, if you happen to go to a location where people are not growing organically, where people are using uh, industrial pesticides, industrial herbicides, you're taking that back with you to the hive and it travels then with you to the next farm and the next farm and the next farm. And the reason we know this is that we produce a lot of honey on the farm. We have that honey tested, and we're finding chemicals in that honey that don't exist not only on the farm, but even in the area. And we've talked to bee experts, and they're explaining to us that, yes, if a bee goes, for instance, to an urban area, you know, where there's a lot of bad things around, it carries that back to the hive, and then that is carried with them. What we're trying to do on the farm is establish a year-round uh, beehive system. So we want to have flowering plants 12 months of the year. Now, you can't do that, obviously, in Montana. There's many places you cannot do that. But we're trying to do some experimentation with bees to try to understand if we can actually grow basically a, a, a organic and then expanding uh, bee uh, operation because bees are so important and we and there's so much we have to learn uh, and and there and and so we not only focus on just regular honeybees which if you think about it, originally are from europe but we're also very focused on local bees and carpenter bees and pollinating bees and making sure that they have the habitat uh to exist because bees as our pollinators especially for heirloom uh varieties are very 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 important And so it's just another project that we're doing and we'll, and we're going to share with people and I guess really to kind of wrap it up, you know, what's the newest project we're working on uh, is we are actually uh, mushroom farming organically outdoors on wood that's been basically harvested from the area in the thinning out of, you know, of, 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 nurseries and orchards where we actually take that wood that before may have been burnt or actually gone into the ground and actually farming mushrooms. So that's a yet to be determined how successful we're going to be. Uh, But we did, you know, start our mushroom farm, I guess about 30 to 45 days ago. And I'm a huge eater uh, of mushrooms. They provide tremendous protein. They're unbelievably healthy for you. And we hope to have our first harvest this fall. So what I'd say now is stand by, and would love to talk to you in the fall when we actually uh, produce our first mushroom harvest.
0: Cool. Cause I've been trying to get someone to come on and talk about mushrooms. You know, it's interesting. I haven't released it yet, but I just did an interview with um, someone and Patty Arbister, who my fans love um, talks about a lot is actually the biggest users of chemicals are backyard gardeners and people getting plants from these, you know, big home depots and Lowe's and and places that are putting these chemicals on them that the bees are. So it might even be the bees are just like, I don't know where the worker bees, if they get a chance to go. But apparently, like, backyard gardeners are almost worse when they buy those starts and all the flowers the petunias and the and I'm guilty I'm so guilty of it and like my husband and I've been arguing I'm like I bought like three pound bags of marigolds and like marigold seeds and like snapdragons I'm like we are planting marigolds snapdragons zinnias marigolds snapdragons zinnias nasturtiums. I'm not buying these this year from the the people who sell them one because I spent a small or I could have spent a small fortune. I want way more color in my garden, but how much of that impacts the bees? It's so true. And native bees and pollinators are so important. Um, I just love your guys' passion. Thank you so much. Tell everybody the websites again, and I would love to have you back to talk about mushrooms.
2: Well, thank you very much. And you're very astute in your understanding of the problem with starts. Uh they bring all kinds of things to your gardens. So,
1: yeah, and if you if you want to check us out online, you can go to johnnyappleseed.com um, or you can look for Johnny Appleseed Organic on any of the major social media sites: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We're we're very active on all of the above, um, and it's a hundred percent educational material. You know, just intended to encourage and inspire.
0: Thank you both so much. I really appreciate you guys sharing today, and I will send you the file when it's. Ready and just um listeners definitely go check out their websites, sign up for their did we like don't you have an Earth day and an Arbor Day project that we talked about a little in the beginning, go to that information's there, and just um spread the word, tell people, you got to check out this place cuz look what they're doing. We can we can do this.
2: And if they want to get a Johnny Appleseed tree for Arbor Day, they can just go to johnnyappleseed.com. So again, we welcome your listeners to check us out. Uh, again, you won't find a lot of ads on our site where you'll find is a lot of content about how you can empower yourself to do all these things we've talked about at home.
0: Awesome cuz I hate those ads.
2: <laughs>
0: Thanks guys. <laughs> we all do. You Thank have you. a great day.
2: Okay.
0: Thank you. Hey, everyone. Make sure you join us for the Homestead Open House Virtual Summit. It's only $9. Homesteading Simplified. March 14th to the 16th with a live question and answer on the 17th. 20 plus experts to help you find the confidence you need to make homesteading work. Maybe you've had some land. You just got your first property. You go outside and you, it seems like there's so many things to do. Where do you start Do you plant seeds, compost pile, get your chickens, pull your weeds, plant fruit trees, build a barn, sheeps, cows, the list goes on. How do you make a decision? How about making a list to do when to do it and how to do it? They have gathered experts in the world of homesteading together from all over the world to give you the best tips. Take a tour of homesteads, learn from them, take confidence in your own abundant homestead. Super easy to get in. Access for only $9. Make sure you click on my affiliate link. So I get a little tiny chunk of that. Um, And join us March 14th through 16th. Hope to see you there. Listeners, have you heard my most recent interview with JM Fortier? Did you know that he started an awesome new venture called Growers & Company? where they have a magazine that's printed that comes out twice a year that highlights the amazing farmers that he's taught personally. So you're going to learn from people who are putting his practices into place on their farms. If you want to be a better farmer, you definitely want to subscribe to this magazine. That's going to be like a coffee table item on your shelf. And then the other thing part of growers and company is they he's created tools that he uses on his farm that he's like studied, you know, he got to travel all around the world when he wrote his book, the market gardener. If you don't have that, you absolutely have to get a copy of it, but he's, he's, he got to go travel to all these farms and then he would look at tools that they had in the hardware stores or using in these other farms, brought them back to his farm. You know, talked to a developer, came out with some really cool tools. Like he talks about his broad fork. The handles are just wood and that helps it make it light, but it's sturdy. It's just the exact kind of broad fork that I want. Um, and they've got other really cool weeders and different things. And then he's got farmware that he designed that will keep you dry and keep you out there. I know with my, one of my big barriers was my garden shoes. So he's got boots and just Great things that are stylish, comfortable, but most of all, they're going to keep you warm and dry when you're out in your garden doing all that hard work. So growers and company, growers.co, check it out, get something for your favorite gardener. Definitely get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt for your favorite farmer marker vendor. Do you belong to a CSA? I'll bet you want to get them a Christmas present this year. It doesn't have to be on time. I know it might be late when you're hearing this, but make sure you support growers.co. Their stuff is super affordable. The Canadian exchange right now. um, I just bought something for someone, um, a present for Kathy from the composters, because I go to her laughter yoga with her. And I think it said it was like $25 and then, but it only took $20 out of my bank account. So I, I probably shouldn't be talking about the Canadian Exchange, but I know his things are affordable. I research broad forks and what they cost. I, you know, it it's a great deal. You will get so much use out of that tool. Um, so support growers and co. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.